Welcome to Fountain of Life Worship Center's podcast. We're glad you're here with us today. Today you will hear a message previously recorded from our pastor, youth pastor, or a guest speaker. Join us as we know God, grow in God, and go with God today. Let's jump into the message. Ghost of God, sweep into this place and bring us to a point to which we understand there is nothing more important than you. Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus, the bright and morning star. Jesus, the lily in the valley. Jesus, our victor. Jesus, our deliverer. Jesus, the one who redeems. Jesus, the one who breaks every bondage and addiction. Jesus, our salvation. Jesus, our spirit baptizer. Jesus, our Lord and our coming King. Jesus, show us tonight that from the foundations of this building to the rafters, We should seek no other but you. You are above all, in all, and through all. And as we exalt you and magnify you, you gain greater magnitude in our own lives. And our problems shrink and shirk at the mention of the name that is every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. The name that is above every name. The name of Jesus. Teach us tonight, Holy Spirit of God. To focus solely on you. Remove every spiritual negative lie that has been spoken into our minds and into our spirits. That would cause us to want to see something other than you God. The purity of your spirit. The the wholeness of your spirit. The direction of your spirit. Show us right here, right now. What you are wanting to do in our lives. God, remove the counterfeits. Remove the dark waters of habitual lies and negativity that the enemy has sent into our spirit and replace it with rivers of living water. Cause us, O God, when we gather in this house to know there is but one worthy of our praise. There is but one who can do and meet our expectations. There is but one that we have come here to exalt and profess and proclaim tonight. And His name is Jesus. Holy Spirit, be our teacher and our guide tonight. Use this mighty word to show us your plan for this house, for these people, and the ones yet to come that have not yet arrived. And they will see the salvation of God because of what the seeds have been planted in the past and even up until this night in Jesus mighty name amen and amen hallelujah 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 Mm -hmm. 
You may be seated in the presence of the Lord if you are capable. Thank you, Miss Talena. Thank you, praise team. Thank you, musicians, for bringing us into the heavenly realm here tonight. Uh, before I began, I did not mean to intend to start here, but after Talena's set, which I did not see before we got here, I feel like I need to clarify a few things. We did not uh, get behind the scenes, she and I, and plan out this service. Mm -mm. I, I did not know what she had in mind to sing, nor did she, she even know up until this moment right now what I had in mind to preach. I feel like I need to give you that disclaimer because sometimes the way the Holy Ghost hooks things up and organizes and structures things, sometimes it seems like it must be the work of pre-planning and the work of man. But nothing could be farther than the truth. She had us breathing in and breathing out. I thought she was about to steal my message. She sang that second song. I was sure she had stole my message. I'm standing here losing my collective mind because I'm like, Holy Ghost, I ask him to do something specifically for this church. I don't do this everywhere that I go and I'm asked to preach because, quite frankly, I don't have the kind of relationship with the pastors that I have with this first team here. This, uh, th this pastor and his uh, beloved wife, I, I don't have the relationship that I do. They know my heart. If I'm going to come and speak in their pulpit, Mick and Talena know I'm not going to do anything to hurt anyone. But I'm only going to try to edify and build up and to help the kingdom come. I asked the Lord to give me a message that I would not be able to preach at just any church. I, I couldn't take this to camp meeting and preach it. I, I couldn't take this and, and preach this at a lot of churches that uh, asked me to come and preach. But they would rather have strawberry shortcake than the truth of God. However, what I have asked God specifically to do is to take the seed that gets planted here tonight through this word and forever change the atmosphere of this building. Now, I'm just, I'm just being real with you. I don't know how you pray. But, but see, I, I, I pray big. I carry this with the, to the pulpit. I got a whole flock of these. I use them to sweat on and to wipe my brow with, but I, I also remind myself to pray big because if I'm going to pray and ask God to do a thing, I'm not asking Him for $5 until payday. I'm asking God to pay off mortgages and big stuff. Amen. So, so I'm, I'm asking God to do something. And again, I wouldn't do this in just any church, but Mick knows my heart. Talena knows my heart. They, they, they understand if I'm coming here on a mission and on a mandate, I, I'm going to do it the best of my ability, and I'm going to let the chips fall where they may, and I'm going to expect God to forever change what happens in this house. Because I believe that God sent them here for such a time as this because he was about to revolutionize what this house was about. That he was sending them on a mandate, not from man or a state overseer or even a denomination but he sent them here on a mandate from heaven and that from this point going forward this house will never be the same again if we receive this word here tonight can you get on board with something like that that you know you didn't just show up for church and, and just had a cute little service and watch the preacher sweat and dance around a while and went home and unaffected and unchanged but this is one of those landmark services where forever the spirit realm will be marked and earmarked as this was the night that something switched and changed and going forward we were different at this church from this point forward. 
Now, I don't have a handful of pre- uh, sermons I go around and preach all the time, and so this one is for you. I'm not one of these uh, circuit preachers that go around with a, uh, a sack full of messages and I just preach them everywhere I go. This one is for this church. So I, I'm going to begin tonight in Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to go speedily to Genesis chapter 3 if you have uh, uh, your, your Bibles and you are so inclined uh, to, to uh, 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 turn there. However, uh, toward the end of this message, uh, I'm going to be using a, a lot other scriptures. I'm going to be... Uh, dictating to you uh, because I'm not sure that I have time to ask you to turn over there and and keep up with me. So uh, be like the good Bereans. Go home and check me out later if you can't find the scriptures as fast as I'm going to throw them out to you. Is that all right? Amen. Amen. Uh, Who's got a Bible? Who's got a Bible? A a Bible? Bible. You got a Bible. This is my friend from this morning. I'm going to give you a job. Can you handle a job? Okay. Toward the end of this message, don't lose your place because I'm going to come back and then you're going to say, I forgot. I want you to find Mark chapter 1 verse 34 and hold on to it. You can turn the rest of your Bible as much as you want to, but go to Mark 1 and 34, and at the end of this message, I'm going to ask you to do something about that verse. Can you do that for me tonight? Thank you very much. I'm going to ask everyone if you would. We have a custom at our church um, that we stand for the reading of the Word. Um, My church is about 35% African American. Uh, most of them hear me on audio and they come to church and see me and say, I thought you was a brother. And, uh, <laughs> and so, and so uh, uh, we, we have about a 35% uh, African-American uh, 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 situation in our congregation, so they like to preach me to death. And I have some customs that uh, I've picked up from them. And, and one of them is I've always asked people to stand for the reading of the Word of God as they do in the book of Ezra. Uh, I just think it's, it's, it's good uh, report to show the word that we respect the word. Amen. So uh, Genesis chapter 1, I'm going to begin with verse 26. And then God said, so if we're going to listen to somebody, let's listen to him. Then God said, uh, let, let us make man in our image. Mm-hmm. Not in your image or the pastor's image, but in our image and likeness. Uh, according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. Now, I could preach right there, but I have to roll on along. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God saw all that he had made. Stop right there. Did you see what he just made? Let us make man in our image. Uh huh. And he saw what he had made and behold, he said, it was very good. He said we were very good. He looked at his creation, and he said, that's good stuff. That's very good. And there was an evening, and there was a morning, and that was the sixth day. Now, if you will uh, jump with me over to the third chapter of that same book, we're going to see a very different scene. God said we were very good. Uh, We didn't stay that way very long. Genesis chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, 
Indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. There's a sermon right there, but I have to roll on along. For God knows that in the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband who was with her and he ate. Now I'm not trying to start a battle of the sexes here at this church tonight. Who did who wrong and who was in charge and What I want to focus on, we're not going to go down that road. I've been married too many days. I'm not winning that fight. Not here, not back home either. What I'm going to focus on tonight is we were good, very good, until we weren't. And the reason that we didn't stay that way was because when they managed to find themselves in the garden God created in an atmosphere that he set up for them, they encountered an outside force that took their focus off of who planted them in the first place. So tonight my message is simply titled, How to Build a Devil. Why would a pastor ever want to build a devil? Well, I came down here to build one. I'm going back home in the morning. How to build a devil. A devil, because if we don't understand what makes one, we won't know how to avoid becoming one. So we're going to find out tonight how to build a devil. Before you see it, can you tell three or four people? I sure am glad to see you tonight. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say that you can't eat from any of these trees? The devil is real good at taking what God said, mixing up just enough of what he didn't say to confuse people into believing a lie. I'm going to begin tonight by talking about this lie that the devil presents to Eve. Okay, the first thing you need to realize is that he presents to her an idea. And that idea was a lie. He asks her in verse 4. He asks her in verse 1, did God say? By verse 4, he tells her. God didn't say that. He knows that if you eat from that tree, you'll become as powerful as he is. You'll become as wise as he is. And off the lie begins. Now, he got her alone 
in order that he might speak to her. I'm going to say that again for emphasis. He got her alone in order to speak lies to her. You need to be in community. Because when you get alone with the devil, it's much easier for the devil to speak lies to you. That is why God never intended for us to be lone rangers. He did not intend for us to be sheep isolated from the fold. You need community. The reason the Holy Spirit uh, set the church forth was so that we would have a community of believers that when we come together and agree, two or three, that the Holy Spirit will be there present among us, that the healing Jesus will be there uh, among us, that God the Father will be there among us, but you have to stay in the community. Have you ever wondered how there was a talking snake waiting on them in the garden? Because the Bible begins talking about how God created the firmaments and he he created the light and he separated it from the darkness and he created the day and he separated it from the night and he spoke into the waters and the waters got filled with fish and he spoke into the sky and the sky got filled with birds and he spoke to the ground and it became full of creeping things and hoofed things. and I mean, God is just thinking a thing and he'll speak a thing and the thing will become out of nothing because God has created power and he speaks what he thinks and what he thinks becomes what he has. Because he has the ability to speak that. But he doesn't say a thing about speaking a talking serpent into this atmosphere. Adam and Eve show up in a perfect environment. And they are met with a talking snake. And not another creature was talking. There was one snake in one tree. And he was talking to them. All we have to do is consult the Word of God to figure this out. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9, So the great dragon was cast out, and he was the serpent of old. He's also called the devil and Satan, who deceives. What did he do to Eve? He lied to her. And this is what he does. He deceives the whole world. He was thrown what direction? He was thrown what direction? He was thrown down to the earth. And his angels were thrown down with him. Hmm. So the devil has been in this garden for a spell. Adam and Eve were placed in the garden where this snake already inhabited. And the devil has been known throughout scripture to use both people and animals. Judas was used by Satan. And Jesus recognized that he had entered his heart in Luke chapter 22 and verse 3. Peter was influenced by Satan and, and, God, and Jesus rebuked him uh, and get behind me, Satan. There was a herd of swine in Mark chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 6 uh, where, where a legion of demons were cast into those swine and the swine drowned themselves because of the torment. So this explains the talking snake. It identifies him as the devil or the deceiver. This is what he did to Eve. If you keep reading Eve's story in Genesis 3, you'll get to verse 13 where it says, The Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said to God, The serpent has deceived me. 
She recognized that this deceiver, this old serpent, Satan, who had been cast, what direction? He'd been cast down, and now he has influenced the very first creation that God himself called very good. The serpent deceived me. This is a woman who heard the voice of God audibly, who saw the face of God personally. This is a woman who walked with God in the cool of the day. She had already been influenced by God personally. It's not like you gathering on a Sunday evening in this church and praying to a God that you can feel but can't see. It's speaking to a God that, that is distant but yet close by, but you have to believe it by faith. No, no, no. This woman walked with him. She spoke with him. Adam and Eve never had to pray. They just said, hey God. God said, hey what? Adam and Eve didn't have to wait for church service. They walked with God. They spoke with Him. They had constant fellowship with Him. Everything was moving according to plan because she was being influenced by heaven until she became influenced by hell. And the deceiver deceived her. Now if you keep reading your Bible, you'll find out how he ended up in the garden. Luke chapter 10 and verse 17 and 18. Jesus has sent 70 out. And they went out healing. Man, they come back and they're they're smelling themselves. They said, Jesus, we've been healing people. Camp meeting everywhere. Revival breaking out, man. We have been having church, Jesus. Listen, listen, Jesus, you won't believe it. Jesus, even the demons are subject when we speak your Now, Jesus, he's not as impressed as you are. What gets him fired up is different than what gets the average church folk fired up. Because verse 18 says, that ain't nothing. I was watching Satan fall from heaven. I saw Satan fall. Oh, you think it's something because when you use my name, he comes out of people? You should have been there the day Michael the archangel grabbed him by the neck of his neck and the seat of his pants and tossed him over the balcony of heaven and said, you ain't allowed to come back until we say, see, see, see. This is what gets me fired up. Do you realize God the Father never got off the throne? Do you realize the Holy Spirit didn't have anything to do with it? Do you realize Jesus himself before pre-incarnate didn't have, they sent Michael the archangel and Jesus said, I saw Satan fall. Satan ain't as tough as Satan makes himself out to be because I saw Satan fall. Hold on to that hold on to the fact that Jesus testifies that he saw Satan fall because I want to tell you some facts that should scare you we are living in a day where according to the latest Barner research barely half of adult Americans believe that there is such a creature as the devil barely half when they question them about the evils of the age. They say things like people are troubled or mentally unstable. But almost half of adults in this country believe and are convinced that there is no devil. Even the church, evangelical churches, have declined to roughly only 70% of professing Christians believe the devil is a force that affects the affairs of men. But Jesus said, 
I was there. I saw him fall. You can't beat an eyewitness. Uh-huh. And, and this sums up two extremes that should be avoided in the church. Number one, we should avoid denying that he exists. And number two, we should deny blaming him for everything that happens to us. Okay, every time there's a hurricane, I hear church people on Facebook. Oh, the book of face. Quoting from the book of face. We need to rebuke the devil so this hurricane won't hit Miami, Florida. I saw somebody the other day, we need to bind together and rebuke the devil over the coronavirus. Can I tell you that he is not in charge as much as the church tries to make him in charge. Now the Bible is very clear on some things concerning the devil. He is our adversary. He is the accuser of the brethren. He is the tempter. He is the ruler of darkness. He is the God of this world. And most importantly, he is a liar. And he is the father of lies. But what you may not know, and I'm sure most of you uh, do know, but somebody sitting, sitting very near you may not be familiar with the story. Lucifer began his career leading heaven's choir. But soon, that assignment was not fulfilling his lusts. And he himself wanted to become higher than God. So God cast him out of heaven, and one-third of his angels were evicted with him. Now his nature dictates that he is a proud, powerful, wicked, cruel enemy of our souls. And his strategy that he uses against us is the same that he used against Eve. He loves to pervert the word of God and tempt you to sin by appearing as an angel of light. But Lucifer was created to worship. I've, I've preached like 20 minutes already just to get to this one point. Because if we're going to change everything that's been into something that is not yet here, we're going to have to get this one point. Even the devil was created to worship. Which means he wasn't always a devil. He was an anointed cherub. But the day came when he decided for himself he was going to become a devil. So my question to you going forward in this sermon is what exactly is it that transforms an angel into a devil? How to build a devil. Can I tell you tonight that it is not mysterious? Can I tell you that it's not as deep in hermeneutics as you may think it is? It's not some mystical doctrine that's been lost in some forgotten book. But it is as simple as turning your Bible to a scripture that us Pentecostals love to quote parts of. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. Which we love because it says we are a chosen generation. It says we are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. It says we are his own special people. And we love to quote that. Oh, do we not? We love in Pentecostal churches. Uh, see, I've been doing this for a minute. And, and, and again, I, I got a, a large African-American community in my church. So I know how to hoop. 
And and if I need to get a response, come on, church, put your hands there. If I really need to get you on board, I know. I said I know. I said I said I know how to get a rise out of Pentecostal folk. I guess somebody up here put a ham and B3 uh, arrangement on. We will have some church. I start telling you, you are a chosen generation. You'll run the aisle. I start telling you, you are a royal priesthood. You will swing from the chandelier. I start telling you, you are a holy nation. You'll say, yeah, in here. You're his own special people. But where we put a period, God put a comma. And the rest of that scripture reads like this. That you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. In other words, he said, I didn't choose you because you're cute. I didn't make you a royal priesthood and anoint you and set you apart because you shopped at the right shopping store or because your family hung the last shingle on the roof of the church house. He said, the reason I set you apart, the reason I call you blessed, the reason you are royal, the reason you are mine is not to just sit in church, but it is to proclaim the praise of the one who called you out of darkness and brought you into the light. In other words, the purpose of your existence is praying. You, like Lucifer, were raised to praise. He brought you from death to life. So you would praise the one who was responsible. And the Bible says, and Talena says, let everything, let every, let every, let everything that has breath. Oh, David, David, he had a, he had a, he had a, a quality nobody else in the Bible has ever spoken of. He was the apple of God's eye. You ever read the story of David? There's 24 chapters devoted to David. Out of everybody in your Bible, there's nobody that gets more attention besides Jesus than than David. 24 chapters in your Bible devoted to the life of David. And he was the apple of God's eye. Are you kidding me? Have you read his story? I didn't come to church to run this man down. Speak ill of the dead. But David had a lust devil. David was a liar. By the time David got done with his sin with Bathsheba, she was knocked up. Uriah the Hittite was dead. Everybody was lied to. He had covered up the whole thing. So he thought. Till God sent Nathan the prophet to the, tr- to the church and said, You the man. And David, David, the apple of God's eye, 
writes all these beautiful songs while he is watching his daddy's sheep field out in the backside of nowhere and nobody knows his name and he hasn't been anointed and he writes things like the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he maketh me to lie down in green pastures he leadeth me beside the still waters he restoreth my soul I though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for thy rod and thy staff they comfort me David who wrote that God's magnificent glory shall be shining forth as a noonday sun. David, who has told us in the book of Psalms that I have not ever encountered anything as wondrous as the Lord God Almighty. David, who in the book of Psalms has told us that I can lose everything, but Lord, do not take your spirit from my body. David has gotten to the end of the book of Psalms and he reminds you one more time, if you got breath in your lungs, let everything, let everything, let everything let everything that has breath praise the Lord let everything I realize it's 2020 and I'm an old fogey now I know it's outdated it ain't popular no more I know it's old fashioned But I have not outgrown worship. I'll never lay it down. I'll never forget what it's done for me. And I'll never let the world take it out of me. Because when I think of his goodness and what he's done for me, I should raise my voice. Everything in this house that has breath from God on the count of three, I want you to open your mouth. When I get to three, I want you to rattle the rafters of the next church down the street. When I count to three, I want you to lose all your inhibition. I want you to not give a care about what your neighbor thinks about you and how loud. That just ain't my way. Will you get a new way tonight? When I get to three, I want you to open up your mouth. Let everything that has breath, if you're still breathing, that needs you. Let everything that has breath on the count of three are you ready one two get ready get ready three understand the church needs to get its voice back hello we ain't got no problem at the ball game finding our voice even pastor don't you got a problem when your kids get out of line finding your voice mama you don't come busting that room say how many times have I told you if you ever do that again Somebody cut you off at Wendy's in the drive-thru? You tell me that you just, oh, praise the Lord, bless Jesus. You find your voice then, don't you? Ain't got no problem. The church needs to get its voice back. 
And I'll tell you why. There is a generation being raised that has not been exposed to true worship. Because we have got too many dead churches who are afraid of offending somebody. And they're just trying to entertain God with dry, dead offerings. And so we show up to church and we got everything on a time schedule. And everything is pre-planned and everything has to have just this and just so because we're afraid that we're going to offend somebody. But there are still some preachers. I don't know if there's many left. But there are still some preachers that as long as I got a microphone and the strength to do it, there's going to be some praising in the Holy Ghost. As long as I got air in my lungs, there's going to be some shouting. As long as I can get my mouth to work, there's going to be a glory, glory, glory to God. And now comes the portion of my message. If I was back home preaching to my people, I'd say, the part of my sermon. They like it when I talk like that. Where I'm going to try to be a mouthpiece for the Holy Spirit. To forever change the atmosphere of this church. Can you get on board with that? If this is your local church, can you get on board with that? That, that, that we're, not, we're not forgetting the past. We're not trying to exclude the past. I'm just talking about if we do this one thing, going forward, the Holy Ghost has showed me that this time next year, Mick will be telling me everything busted loose. That season was the season where everything burst loose. People just come staggering in the back door of the church saying, I heard about this church and I needed to come and see what was going on. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it's not as hard as you think. I'm not going to give you some big plan. I'm not going to give you a CD series. I'm not going to sell you a book on church growth. Bishop Wicker, our last state overseer, one time at camp meeting, he said, he come to preach for me in the backside of nowhere. The gravel church in the hole. Soon to be no mole. He come to preach for me and he was standing on the front pew and the place was packed. I hadn't went to two services yet. And the place was packed. And there's about 20 Filipinos and about 30 to 40 percent African Americans. And we got some Spanish speaking people. We in the middle of nowhere. Everybody where lives where I live is whitey white white. <laughs> they white like I'm white. I'm the dark skinned one on my street. <laughs> and the overseer looked back over his shoulders, and I saw him just studying. We're worshiping. He's turned around backwards. He turned back around. And he said, "I want you to come to camp meeting, and I want you to tell your other." ministers how you did this I said I'm trying to be disrespectful Bishop but I can tell you right now that's going to be the shortest speech in history because I don't know listen I loved people I prayed for people and I preached the word and what I found out was if you preach the word because there ain't no white word black word yellow word red word purple word 
What I discovered was that if you just preach the word, folk don't care what color the mailman is, just haul the mail. So I'm not here to instruct you how to build a bigger church. What I'm going to show you is what the Holy Ghost spoke into my spirit for this church. How to build a devil. Hmm? See, if you want a lukewarm church that nobody's looking for, then you can learn how to just sit there while everybody else loses their mind in worship. But if you want to be a church where God is moving, then you need to become a praising church. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that many different ways. Why did David write Psalm 150? Everything that has breath. Praise the Lord. Why did David instruct us that praise was so important? Why after everything else he had written, given us so many hermeneutical truths, given us so much doctrine that we still stand on today, why did David feel like it was necessary to tell us that if you have breath in your lungs, use your last one to praise him? If you, you, if you got one last breath, he encourages you to use that one. Spend that one. Not telling somebody uh, where you hid the key to the safe deposit box. Not telling your kids all the rotten things they did that broke your heart. He said if you got one breath left, use that last breath to praise the Lord. Why did he feel like it was necessary? Because David is the same David who when the uh, Philistines had taken the Ark of the Covenant and stolen and ran off with it, David said, i got to get that box. So he goes down to a place called Obed-Edom's house. Now the Ark of the Covenant has been sitting outside Obed-Edom's house. And, and Obed-Edom's house has been blessed. I mean, his daffodils got taller. His potatoes got bigger. His daughters got prettier. I mean, his house was blessed. Because they parked that box out there, and the whole reason they parked it there was because they were moving it improperly. Poor old Uzzah reached out to steady it when the ox stumbled, and Uzzah died. They said, park that right here. David realizes it's not proper for that box to be down at Obed-Edom's house. we got to get it back to Jerusalem. We're going to do it right this time. We don't want to have any more mishaps. they bring bringing the Ark of the Covenant back. And the closer they got to Jerusalem, David started losing his mind. Now, I've been in a lot of church services. Back when I was an evangelist, I used to go up every holler in West Virginia, Kentucky, Virginia, Tennessee, Friday night, Saturday night, revivals, be back at my church to preach to the youth on Sunday morning. I was always booked up. I was constantly out in some little hit town somewhere with 15 or 20 people, and we'd have church till 2 o'clock in the morning. I'd pray for everybody 19 times. They'd get slain in the Holy Ghost, 18 of them, barely walk out of there. I'm dog tired all the time, preaching and sweating all over the backwoods of West Virginia and Kentucky and I've seen a whole lot of praising but thanks be unto God I ain't never saw somebody praise so much they come clean out their clothes but David got so wrapped up in his praise the Bible said he come out of his clothes David had a wife who was the daughter of King Saul, McCall by name, who from the palace window saw David dancing 
with all his might. <laughs> Don't worry, that's as far as we go with that illustration. David, look at you out there. She calls him up to her room. Look at the king prancing about in front of all the lasses in city streets. You are an embarrassment. You have embarrassed yourself. You have embarrassed the kingdom. And you have embarrassed me as your wife. Now most husbands would have took that as a notice to put some long johns on. But before David was a husband to McCall, he was a praiser. So what was more important to David was pleasing the Lord rather than pleasing this woman who was trying to stop his praise. So David's answer to her was, I got news for you, sweetheart. If you thought that was over the top, you ain't seen nothing yet. I wasn't dancing for you, and I won't stop for you neither. How can I start thinking about a giant falling at my feet and not praise the God who guided the stone? How can I look at that bearskin rug on my floor and not shout glory to the one who gave me the victory? How can I go down to the valley and see the Philistine army defeated by my sword and not give glory to the God who promised me the victory? So listen, church, from this night going forward, when you gather in this place, when you look over at your neighbor and you see them with their hands in the air and tears on their cheeks and a shout on their lips do not look at them with a side eye don't look at them strange because you don't know what they paid in order to get that praise out of they know that they used to be an addict, but God showed up. They used to be an, an adulterer, but God showed up. They used to be a liar. They used to be an inmate, but God showed up. They used to be a thief. They were once bound, but God set them free. And now they remember when they couldn't help themselves, but God made a way. And they can't help but to give God if there's any free people in this church. Mag. You get your feet loose. You get your hands loose. You get your lips loose and give God. You're going to sit there like a knot on a log and remember how God reached way, 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 way down and snatched you and set. If you have any kind of a past and you are thankful that your past is over, then you ought to give God praise. time to get quiet God's been too good to you for you to get quiet
Now I'm going to teach you something. You ready? What actually caused an angel to become a devil? I can show you. It was the day that he decided, even though I was created to worship, I'm not going to do it anymore. And when the praise team leader rebelled, one-third of the choir and the musicians went down with him. See, when, when he stopped praising, so did his followers. If we won't worship, we're encouraging somebody else not to worship. When you decide that you are going to stop worshiping, you are encouraging somebody else to stop worshiping because you have influence. Oh, yes, you do. And your influence is either being used by heaven or by hell. Your influence is either teaching somebody that this is the proper stance. When we come, to, when we come into this place, we don't sit on our hands. We don't snub up in the corner uh, and say, I wish they'd turn that music down. These ain't my songs. Where's a little talk with Jesus? Tell him all about my trouble. I can't get on with this new me. Oh boy, I, boy, I stuck a pin in something there. I just... How am I supposed to tell him about my trouble with this new music? It's always the same lyrics over and over. I like to keep on the firing line. I, I like page 120. Victory in Jesus, my Savior. For oh, I know them all. I was raised in this stuff. And you know what? That makes me somebody who can stand in front of you and give you some advice. I was raised on 92. Uh, uh, little talk with Jesus. One 20 victory in Jesus I was raised on keep on the firing line so I can tell you that I can get down with that and I can get down with the new stuff because you can't stop a praiser from getting their praise I go into some of these little country churches and they say, they don't even bother to say, turn to page 92, because they know everybody in the congregation done memorized it. I don't remember the last time I needed a red back. I got the whole book memorized. I memorized it faster than I did the King James Bible, I promise you that. I knew all them old songs. And I go into one of these camp meeting services, and they start... Singing, how great thou art. Guess what? I'm in the altar. But we come into a place like this. And this praise team singing like they are tonight. I don't sit over there snubbed up mad because they ain't in the red back. Because that's not praise. And I'm encouraging you to follow my because if you won't worship, you're encouraging your husband, your wife, your neighbor, your kids not to worship. 
If you are a leader in this church, and I don't know none of you, but if you have influence over the children's department, you're encouraging them either to become worshipers or to become stuck up and not stand there and give God everything they got. They are watching you. So the angel and one-third of his, his demons, after he had fallen, was cast what direction? Down out of heaven. Now, physicists tell us that that's the speed of 186,284 miles per second. They were cast what direction? Down. You know why? I'm going to lay some knowledge on you. Ready? Because they were cast out of a spiritual atmosphere. Because the only thing that can keep you in a spiritual atmosphere, Madison Church of God, is worship. And the minute they decided they were not going to be worshipers, they were cast down. Because if you want to maintain a spiritual atmosphere, the only thing that will keep you there is not how long you've been sitting in the same seat. How long ago you got baptized in beet juice and vinegar. If you're happy and you know it, tell your face. The only thing that will keep you in a spiritual atmosphere is praise. And the moment you decide you won't worship anymore, you are heading down. Have you ever noticed how far down people fall who used to worship and then gave up worship? They made a decision to stop. Have you ever noticed how far down? Always in a valley. Always in a struggle. Never happy, don't have any joy. Why? They're down, down, down. If you want to be a down believer, become too stubborn to worship. You go over and read the book of Jude. I know some of you know where it is. It's just a few pages. When you find the story in Jude of these fallen angels, you'll find out that when they got cast down, they got wrapped in chains Waiting for judgment day. Mm. There's a spiritual truth I'm going to give you. Once you get cast down, you end up in bondage. These angels, when they fell down because they refused to worship, they were wrapped in bondage. They were wrapped in chains. We're living in a wicked world. And we better soon realize that the weapon of our warfare is not carnal. And one of our greatest weapons is the weapon of praise. But when you are down, you will become bound in chains. And you better learn how to praise your way out of your valley. You better learn how to praise the devil out of your house. You better learn how to praise the devil out of your message, out of your marriage, out of your children's lives. Because there's something about the praise of the saints that drives the devil crazy. You want me to show you that? Talena, come up here and jump on this piano just a minute. Just start playing something. I don't care what you're playing. I'm sorry. I don't mean boss you around. I talk to you like I talk to my piano player. I'm sorry. Don't hit me. Service is over. She'll start beating me. You know why I asked her to come up and get on this piano? Because I'm putting her in a position where she's going to have to lead me somewhere. I don't always feel like worshiping and praising God. 
I'm going to say it again. Hey, listen, this is the part of the message where this church changes forever. I don't always feel like worshiping and praising God. But Romans chapter 12 verse 15 commands us to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. So if my neighbor starts rejoicing, I am commanded to join in with her rejoicing. I'm going to put it to you like this because I've done made you mad, but I'm out of here in the morning. It is illegal for you to sit in this atmosphere and soak up the glory of God and not help contribute to the atmosphere of God. Rejoice with those who rejoice. So when my neighbor starts getting happy, I'm commanded to join in. But I don't feel like it. Listen, you shout now. He'll bless you later. God's credit is good. Now look around. Is anybody getting happy? If somebody gets happy, it ought to break out all over this church. If your neighbor starts blessing the Lord, how are you going to sit there and look at them? You... He commands you to praise God together. I don't know what you're shouting about. I don't know what you're shouting about. But I'm going to get happy with you. I'm just going to praise God with you. I don't know what you're happy about. But I'm going to get happy with you. I don't know what you're going on about. Don't make no never mind. I'm just going to bless the Lord at all times and His praise will continually be in my mouth. Don't sit there and act like you ain't got nothing to shout over God. God's been too good to you for you to get quiet now. I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something. Help me, Holy Ghost. This ain't my church. Can can I do it like I do it if I was back home? And I got Sarah Dudley sitting there with her braids in. And I got, and sitting right beside her, I got Donna with her dreadlocks. And I say, Sarah, she say, hallelujah. <laughs> say, here's how you test your neighbor to know if you're sitting in the right row. You ain't even got to do the whole phrase. Just say, halla. And if they come back with, hallelujah, you got something going on. <laughs> or if you say, thank you. And they come back with Jesus. Now Jesus will show up on that road. You ain't got to finish it. All you got to do is say, glory. And your neighbor will lean right over right door and say, to God in the highest. 
peace on earth, good So I don't do this a whole lot, but look at your neighbor and say, will you help me praise our Lord? Will you do that? Will you help me praise our King? It is the joy of the Lord that is our strength. So when I start rejoicing, I'm getting stronger. And when you start rejoicing, you're getting stronger. And if I can get a whole pew to get together, that's a strong pew. And if I get this section to get together, now that section's on fire. And pretty soon, this whole church is flipped upside down. And pretty soon, people in the community is coming through the doors saying, what's going on? What's going on in this church? we sweat we're Pentecostal because we know the presence of the Lord is here presence of the Lord is here what I feel him in the the presence of the Lord is here oh the presence of the Lord and you know what the Bible tells me let the Lord arise let the Lord arise and his enemies will want to know why this is so important you want to know why this church house is here to establish the kingdom of God on this part of the earth and the way you do that is to exalt his name and he will do stuff that you can't do and he'll draw folk that you can't draw and he'll change people's lives in ways that 12 step programs don't have a prayer of doing because if you lift him up the enemies of cancer the enemies of divorce the enemies of addiction will have to I got one more thing to show you you can have your seat for just a minute Am I going on too long? The disciples was amazed at how the demons submitted to them when they used the name of Jesus. What happened with Eve? She got alone with the devil and he lied to her. Amen? And why did he lie to her? Because she was listening to him. You know, if you don't give no credence to a lie, a lie loses its power. But Eve was listening to the snake and believed his lie. And the disciples came back and said, even the demons are subject to us when we use your name. Because they knew what that name meant. And in Luke chapter 1... In verse 32 it says, In evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him all those that were sick and were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Come here. Bring, bring your Bible. Did you keep your spot? I, I told you it was going to be a test. Now I'm going to stick this microphone in your mouth. 
When you read that, I want you to read it like it's the last Bible verse you're ever going to read in your life. 34. Is your 34 different than my 34? No, that, that's, that's the right one. I thought maybe you had one of them funny Bibles. That's a good one that's got the same stuff in it. Jesus has come to Capernaum. They bring to him all the sick, all those possessed by the devil. The disciple says, it's amazing. This lying devil has been entranced and, and, and gotten in these people's lives and is killing them and throwing them in the fire and causing them to uh, try to drown themselves. Oh, man, and when we use your name, Jesus, they come out. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall. Verse 34 gives us a hint. Go ahead. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons and did not allow the demons to speak. What? Because they... He did not allow... The demons to speak. Say that again. He did not allow the demons to speak. He did not. What happened to Eve? Eve was listening to the lies of the devil. Thank you, sweetheart. He was li- she was listening to the lies of the devil caused the downfall of her and all of mankind when Jesus came on the scene. You want to know why them demons respond to Jesus' name? Because Jesus says, devil, shut up. I am not letting you talk over my life. I ain't letting you speak over my family. I'm not letting you speak over my destiny. Shut up, devil. Shut up, devil. I'm not letting you tell me lies. I'm not letting you convince that I'm going to be sick. That I'm going to be an alcoholic. That my baby's always going to be an addict. Shut up, devil. Shut up. Stop letting the enemy speak to you. Shut him up. I saw Satan fall. I opened up my mouth. I don't get too deep into this. Saturday night at the parsonage. At the parsonage. Saturday night at the preacher's house. My 17-year-old son finally come home after we couldn't find him for three days. I'm in bed. My wife goes upstairs. He's threatening to kill himself. He's drunk or high or both. Threatening to kill her. Threatening to kill himself. He hadn't spoke to me in six months. Had not uttered one word to me in six months. I did not know this, but the state of West Virginia won't let you kick a 17-year-old out of your house. They won't let you do it. You have to either be graduated or 18. I found out. He's drunk. He's threatening his mother. I walk upstairs. He picks up a sword and tries to attack me with it. It's Saturday night at 2 o'clock in the morning. I got to preach at 9 a.m. Oh, this is a holy atmosphere I'm talking about. My boy with cuss words in his mouth, cussing the preacher so bad, fly wouldn't land on me. Picked up a sword from his rack on the wall came to attack me swatted at me once I, I dodged it he swatted at me the second time and 
a supernatural encounter happened because at the hilt of that sword it broke the blade came loose and whizzed by my head and stuck 10 inches through our house wall I took him down to the ground I put him in a confined restraint hold and basically rendered him unconscious the cops were called they took him to jail at 9 a.m. My happy self is climbing into the pulpit to preach the word of God. As you might expect, I'm not real anxious to tell my church family what just happened at my house. So my wife leads praise and worship and utters not a word. I get up to preach. I speak nothing to anyone about anything going on. We at this point do not know if my son is in jail Dead or otherwise. That morning on that pulpit, I learned a lesson. After three years of drug addiction, running and hiding and causing all manners of disruption for me and my church, and his mother was having to be medicated. Stood on that pulpit and I grabbed my wife, my hand of my wife, and we couldn't ask the elders to come pray for us. We didn't want nobody to know. We didn't ask the church to come gather around us. We're trying to keep this quiet, to clothe it, not expose it. I just grabbed my wife's hand. I asked everybody in the church to just start praying. And I opened my mouth. And I'll be honest with you, I did not know what I was going to say when I got to the pulpit that morning. I knew I had an outline to preach. But my heart was broken. My spirit was rent. I didn't know what I was going to say or if I even had the strength to profess His Word. But I learned on that pulpit that morning that if I will open my mouth, even when I don't feel like opening my mouth, that I will see Satan fall. When I refused to let the devil take that message from me, I saw Satan fall. When I refused to let the devil steal that service from me, I saw Satan fall. When I refused to let the joy of the Lord leave my church and my marriage that day, I saw Satan fall. Sometimes it's all about getting up and saying, I refuse to sit here and be beaten on by the devil. I I am going to pray. I'm going go to pray. I wish you'd get to your feet. Do you have anything to... Do you want to see Satan fall? Don't stop now. It's not time to get sluggish. Put your hands together and lift your voice. Oh, you'll see Satan fall. This church will never be the same. If your neighbor gets happy, you are commanded to get happy with it. When I think about his goodness and what he's done for me, when I think about his goodness and how he set me free, I want to 
Thanks for listening with us today. We hope that you have been challenged, inspired, or God has changed you somehow or in some way by what you have heard. If you would like to learn more about Fountain of Life Worship Center, find us at our website at folwc.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash folwc, or in person. If you have a prayer request that you would like us to join in praying with you, please head to our prayer page at folwc.com slash prayer and click the image that reads prayer request. If you'd like to support this ministry, you can go to our website, folwc.com, and click give at the top of the page. Join us every Thursday for a new podcast. Hit subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to keep up with our most recent podcast episode. Have a great day, and God bless you all.